This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. Today on the show, I'm so excited to be chatting with Jonna Holmgren. She's on Instagram at Fox Meets Bear. And I've followed you for years, Jonna, because your Instagram feed is so inspiring with beautiful projects that you do and the ways that you take care of your health and the love for nature that we share. I'm so excited to chat about how to manage all the work of having a home and homeschooling and all the stuff that we do. Thanks for joining me today. Jennifer, thank you for having me. It's it's an honor to be here. I feel the same way about you. I just love everything that you're doing and putting out there and your projects and creativity and new book coming out that I can't wait to read. And um, yeah, it's an honor to be here. Oh, it's so fun to get to chat with you. You, you have created such a beautiful feed and really, really inspiring with just all the times that you guys spend in nature and the way that you curate a really healthy home. But I know that all of that takes a lot of work. We in our restoration home community, a few moms were asking today, like, I've got all these children and they're five and under. And I also am having to pay the bills. And I just feel like I have too much work. How can I manage? And I'd love to ask that of you. Like, how do you manage? What are some of your tips for managing the work of the home? I think that's a great question and um, that, yeah, I have thought through before. I agree. I think it does take work and intention and some, you know, systems in place to help everything flow a little bit smoother. Um, For us, I think, yeah, you speak a lot about family rhythms and we are definitely interested in try to plan our life around family rhythms a lot. So just sitting down before the next season approaches and bringing that intentionality to when certain tasks will happen and certain activities will happen on which mornings. And um, as, yeah, a really creative person, I think that that has been one of the biggest keys to having a life that flows smoothly is the creative side mixed with just this balance and peace and rhythm that you can rely upon in the home to bring rest and security and stability. Um, As far as, yeah, in the homeschooling realm too, we love doing year round schooling. So we'll take the whole month of December off and, you know, do all of our wonderful things together in December. And then a few weeks after our 4-H in the summer, but that to me expands my whole year. It feels like there's this like breath that comes through the days and the weeks that um, there's a little bit less revving up and revving down. And so um, that has worked for our family, kind of stretching out the homeschooling year. Um, It ends up becoming a part of our life in a different way um, throughout even the summer, kind of continuing on the learning. Um, And a a lot of seasons, the, the last thing I would say, a lot of the seasons for homeschooling wise, we also have really loved block learning. So instead of taking all of the subjects over the span of a semester, we'll split the subjects up and focus on fewer subjects for one semester. And then once January comes, we'll kind of click over to um, the alternate subjects. And I love doing that too. We don't do it every year, but the years that we're needing kind of some simplicity and stability, um, block teaching has has brought so much peace and just 
kind of, yeah, that breath and simplification into the home for sure. I love that. And I think that is such an important key because a lot of the things that we're doing as a family, like cooking together or handcrafting or cleaning the house or sorting laundry or growing a garden, all of these things that are so much fun for us in many ways and also very creative they actually are teaching our children a lot of the academic skills that would serve them well if they go on to university, if they go on to a math or science degree, like the things that you, you know, the reading comprehension and following a recipe or the chemistry and seeing if bread will rise, all of these things become hooks in our children's brains that help them connect to deeper and, and more, you know, esoteric ideas or ideas that are maybe feel a little bit out of reach for us as moms while we're homeschooling. And if we would be willing to, you know, slow down and simplify in the early years and really focus on deep learning and beautiful stories and lots of projects like we offer in the Peaceful Press, then I think the transition would be smooth, but you would have all these wonderful memories you've made too. And I, I just feel so sad for families who pile on really intense academics in the early years and miss out on all that beauty. And then by the time their kids are in their older years or teen years, they don't feel like they are creative and they don't feel like they have any right to pursue creativity. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that there's so much beauty and that life learning, braiding in activity and connection and integration. And, you know, I, I agree. I feel like our society is leaning towards the separation between adults and children. And I for sure, I'm like, no, bring it back together, bring life back together. The work in the home, the cleaning in the home, the learning, the growing, everything has, there is this opportunity to bring those two worlds together and ultimately will set, I believe, our children up for a beautiful future when they go off into their own homes. And you, you know, you live, are living that more than me now, but that's the hope for our home too, is just that connective learning um, that can go beyond, yeah, those, the normal structure of life. I think that's incredible. Yeah, I love that. And I and I have seen my adult children as they move into their own homes, you know, growing gardens or keeping house plants or hanging beautiful art or in some way, you know, continuing their music in some ways, cultivating that creativity in their home. And, you know, one of the things I love about the heroine, we have each month, we're kind of featuring a different uh, faith, a woman of faith who made an impact on culture. And one of the ones that we're talking about this month in Restoration Home Community is Edith Schaefer. And she wrote a book called The Hidden Art of Homemaking. And it was, you know, she was uh, writing kind of in the 60s and 70s. So some of her ideas might seem dated to us now. But one of her theses for that book was that homemaking and homeschooling, this kind of work can be really creative. And I found that in my own life that, you know, I don't necessarily love doing dishes. And, and sometimes cooking every day for my family can feel a little bit like drudgery. But I love the creativity, you know, growing a garden or having plants or trying a new recipe or baking something new, or even, you know, this winter, I tried making tallow balm for the first time, you know, so there's so much creativity that can happen in our homes. What, how do you see that creativity as being a part of your work as a mom? Oh, man, I, I completely agree. I think creativity is a huge part of what gives me life and motherhood and trying to find ways to do it. Um, a lot of it is, you know, sometimes in life you can plan out your rhythms and go for that. And other times I find myself just 
having a moment here or there and I have my stuff set up on the table and I'm trying to make a floral wreath to, yeah, bring creativity into my life. I see value in my girls watching me have creative pursuits or cold dipping or taking a cold shower before you're about to tackle a huge pile of laundry or dishes, you know, little things like that, bringing nature decor in into the home. Um, I even love specifying one part of your home that feels like it's your own little spot, your own little creative spot. So for me, it's right above my kitchen sink. Probably many moms, it's, you know, that little ledge across the kitchen sink that I just have brought a lot of intention into that area. So things that give me life, that nourish me, that strengthen me um, in a small little area, it feels like this, this spot that I can kind of visit and versus that breathe life into me and um, just want, make me want to be a better mother. So I think a lot of those little ways are incredible. You know, summer's different than winter, but so many ways to even just get outside on walks, get outdoors, um, I think is huge just to sustain us as mothers, instead of, like you said, viewing it as this drudgery, but to kind of take action and charge and, and find ways to bring creativity into our life and work is, is so wonderful. Definitely music, podcasts, yours for sure. Um, those I think really help bring creativity into your work. It just expands your mind. And, um, I, I, yeah, I think that there's just lots of wonderful ways like that. And even if you don't have a full structured, you know, mom alone time, part of the week, I'm all about micro creativity, just micro times that you could do something with your hands, um, baking, cooking for yourself or something, you know, something that breathes life into your motherhood is, is so wonderful. And it can happen in those little moments too. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, one of the things that we really incorporate in the Peaceful Press resources, and I see you do it as well in your home, is encouraging our children to learn these skills as well. Like, there are so many ways that our children can be a part of the work of the home. You know, they can learn how to sort the dishes and work on their categorizing skills or help put away laundry. And in my growing up years, we often tied that to a game as we were teaching it. You know, we would play house or we'd play restaurant and get them to set the table or we would play store and get them to buy laundry and put it away for pennies or something. And in that way, sort of trained them and kind of enfolded them into the idea that work was play and that also work was part of their life too. What are some of the ways that you've encouraged your children to help out around the home? Oh, I love that. Definitely. Um, I think ever since my girls were younger, I, in my mind, just came up with the concept of wilderness parenting. And what would that look like if I brought that within my home, um, inside, indoors, as far as you know, the work that's needed and learning, sleeping, cleaning, eating, all of those things. So I think even from a young age, my baby's all being wrapped on my body much of that first year and beyond. And then, you know, they start to learn to walk and it's little by little, I think that they are modeling and seeing everything that we're doing. And again, kind of what we were talking about in the beginning of just that connective, collaborative, integrative way of life is so powerful. So in terms of children helping out, I personally have never been drawn to the chore charts. I, I want, I wanted them to know to see the need and to want to meet the need in the home and not just, you know, checking off boxes. And I think that that for me, I've, I've seen that kind of played out 
with my 11 year old all the way to when she was a baby that it's if they're as soon as they're able to do those little tasks, inviting them in, letting them be up on the counters while you're cooking and baking or sweeping or mopping or washing mirrors and just having an open mind for those little years, nothing's going to look perfect. So you have to rid of that perfectionistic mindset. But, you know, if there's streaks on the mirror or things, they're learning and growing with every single action. And that is so powerful. I think it becomes, yeah, as now I'm seeing the girls, even examples of we're getting out to go out side for winter, tons of layers, trying to find mittens and boots and socks and everything. And I recently look around and I'm like, you guys are a little cooperative. You're helping each other out. You're passing each other things that, that they're, you know, they're meeting the need. They're seeing the need. They're not just, um, kind of in their own world of that. And I think that is just a huge, you know, positive to that integrative and connective approach. Um, one of the books that I, really, once I read it, it was like, I, I knew what I was doing in the home, but I didn't know how to explain it. And then I read this book, Hunt, Gather, Parent by Michaelin Ducliff. I don't know if you've read that one. I'm sure that you have. It's about ancient cultures and what they can teach us about the lost art of raising happy, healthy, helpful little humans. And, um, she talks about, let them practice, practice cleaning, practice cooking, practice washing, let them grab the spoon from your hand and stir the pot. Let them grab the vacuum and start cleaning the rug. Let them make the messes. And as they get older, there's slightly less of a mess. And as they get into preteens, they'll be helping you clean up the messes. And um, just really beautiful, thoughtful things of coming and welcoming our children in, um, letting them help with the dishes, and knowing that the invitation is always there for togetherness and doing the chores together. I, yeah, I love that. I think that that has lived out in our home for where we're at now and where we began in the beginning of just, you see a a toddler who wants to help and do the dishes and you, you don't maybe don't see the end goal of where that's going to lead if you're focusing on the task, but ultimately then they will turn into the competent nine-year-old who wants to help and, and be integrated into the home and, um, even the idea of purpose. I think that we want to have a purpose in life just as much as our children do, our toddlers do, our preteens do. They, they want to have this purpose. And so in any capacity or area, um, inviting them into that purpose is huge. I think it empowers them to be able to learn those skills and tasks and, um, yeah, ultimately, I think we've always viewed our family as we're all in this together. It's There's not separate things that we do. I'll, you know, there are some, but for the most part, we're, we're cleaning together. We're baking together. We're working together. It's, yeah, just that connected mindset, I think, goes a really long way um, to set them up for their future, too. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. And you know, for me, one of the things that actually stole a lot of the joy out of the atmosphere of my home was feeling like I was victimized by all the work, you know, kind of making comparisons with my husband and thinking, you know, is he doing enough? or Am I doing too much? And just almost approaching work and my home life as a you know, a chore. And obviously there is a lot of work to it. There's a lot of work when you're managing small children and keeping them clean. And, you know, I, I, we counted at one time, I was like responsible to, to clip, 
the the toes and fingers of like 70 or you know 70 children or something like that or you know 70 fingernails and toenails that I had to clip every you know so often and so it can be overwhelming but I feel like one of the best parenting tips I would give is just to be happy. I feel like all of the things that we sweat, like, oh, is my child doing enough? Is my house pretty enough? Am I Instagram worthy? Whatever it is, all of those things are so unimportant compared to just having the joy of the Lord and putting a smile on and being thankful for your life. How do you cultivate that joy and that happy heart in your home? Oh, I, I that gave me goosebumps. I totally agree. I think that just taking that victimhood and training it like like a dog and just knowing that that has to be changed in order to have any sort of fulfillment in motherhood that if you yeah i i have struggled with that i feel that i know that and i think that feels like one of the biggest ways to get joy is to simply reframe how you are looking at all of those mundane tasks and those um the work that's in the home and the work that it takes to raise children and connect with them. And I think that's step number one is just realizing that we are not a victim to it and that you can lean into just transforming the view of motherhood into this beautiful, wonderful gift and massive blessing to be able to raise these lives and be with them and all the way down to the the toenail clipping. I agree. It's, it all comes down to you can take the task and you could reframe it either way. It's either that victimized drudgery or you get to just hone in on, wow, this is another day to be with my children and see them and know them and care for them and nurture them and um, just genuinely channeling joy to those tasks, I think, is, is work and intention. And it's the harder way. I think it's so much easier to sit back and complain about our life or those you know, activities. And it's definitely, it's definitely the harder path, I think, to try to seek joy in all of those ways. And I think the more we do it, we, we can see and feel the difference of how our children are behaving, how they're sleeping, how they're acting, how they're connecting with us. Like it feels very cyclical that the more that you give in a joyful way to your children, the more that things do feel different in the home. And I think the mother has that role um, so much upon us in a beautiful way to just guide uh, how our home environment feels and what it looks like, but not in that Instagram worthy way, you know, what it looks like, what you want for your home to feel like for your children and their childhood. Um, I, I agree with what you said too. I just think it's it's that victimization that really steals so much um, joy from motherhood and and really takes a lot of training to kind of get out of that mindset. Yeah, it's so true. And it's it's such a worthy calling. Like we have this really short window and it does make such an impact on culture. And obviously we don't have long-term control and we can't guarantee the outcome, but we can sow the seeds. You know, Psalm 37 says, trust in the Lord and do good. And so shall you feed on his faithfulness. And, you know, one of the other things that I also remember about my earlier years as a mom is staying a little bit too busy. Like I loved, you know, I loved being with my children. I was so thankful and delighted to be a mom, but 
I, I really wanted to curate this beautiful atmosphere. And some of our homes were just honestly too much work. Like with this one house, it was, we were on five acres. There was so much work. And so it felt like I was always kind of giving my children jobs. And in this season, not connecting with them as much as I wanted to, because the work felt so overwhelming. But, you know, God calls his people to take time to rest, to set aside time to rest, I think, because he wants to be with us. How do you make sure you cultivate or schedule in even rest for yourself and your children so you guys can be present together? Mm -hmm. I really resonate with everything you said. And I think, yeah, in a home, you have this draw to take on more, do more, have a bigger garden or get more animals. And I think, yeah, a huge part of that is just knowing when to step back, when to say no, when to um, yeah, just not try to take on everything. I am with you. I'm for sure more of a doer than a rester. I feel like I do love just engaging with things with my hands and with, with the girls and at home and outside. And it's, it takes more of a conscious effort to rest. I'm up early in the morning. And I think we have kind of written out, especially in wintertime, written out our rhythms so that um, the girls are kind of heading into bed earlier. So I would say for me right now, just kind of writing in that restful evening rhythm that has felt super life-giving. Um, the early to bed, early to rise is for sure where we're at. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of being really thoughtful and conscientious with those evenings of what is that looking like? What am I doing? And um, making fires or reading books or connecting with my husband, things like that, that actually feel really life-giving. Um, kind of in a work a work realm too. Saturdays, I we have written in that those are our kind of reset home days. So throughout the week, it's a little bit more able to live and um, be together and do, do pickups in the home. But I think that has brought so much rest throughout the week so that when those evenings come, I can do my, my pickups, but I'm also feeling like that's actual good time to get rejuvenated and restful um, and connect with my husband and things like that. So I love early bedtimes. Um, you know, those afternoons, I know every mom tries to kind of capture that quiet time and to actually sit down and read with them or sit down and drink a cup of tea and um, have that intentional time to get rejuvenated instead of that um, go, go, go mentality. Um, and this is probably kind of a unique one. It's a little out of there, but I think really highly on making your sleeping environment really, really restful. And that took me so many years to get. I think I just didn't connect in with anything, you know, you think, okay, it's bedtime and you almost like take advantage of the fact to like, oh, you have your pillow and your blanket and you hop into bed and you go to sleep. And I've made little shifts in my bedroom and bed that just truly, truly welcome in deep rest for me. And all the way down to this year, I got a sheepskin kind of on top of my pillow from the Foundry Home Goods in Minneapolis. And I'm not kidding. It's elevated my rest and my sleep. I feel like so comforted there and safe and nurtured and just, so I don't think those little things can kind of revolutionize getting deep sleep as a mom and being able to then wake up the next day and be prepared, um, for the next day. And yeah, back to everything that you speak of too, in the peaceful press and family rhythms here too, just a lot of it actually takes that intentionality to know, 
when is my rest day? When is that coming? And knowing it's on the calendar, it's almost like your mind gets to visit that time that it's coming, whether it's once a day or once a week or once a month, whatever that rest time looks like, you get a chance to just know that it's coming and rely upon it to be coming. And I think it brings stability, at least in my mind, knowing, okay, I'm all in right now. I'm, I'm giving everything that I have to my home and family and girls. And, but I know that that rest break is coming and how do I want to use that time? What, what is going to fill me up the most, um, during that time? So I think scheduling out those rhythms are wonderful and, um, just so important and valuable to have that. Yeah. Just kind of scheduled out and rhythmed out and, then it, it really puts my mind to rest and to ease knowing that the time is coming. So you're not in this battle for your time per se, I guess you're, uh, yeah, I like to just view it as like you're, you're all in for mothering and then you have these moments or evenings or bedtime routines that do feel really, really life-giving and strengthening and nourishing to kind of keep us, keep us going. So yeah. yeah, that's so good. You know, one of the things that has helped me in my motherhood when I get weary, because obviously we need physical rest, but sometimes I think even mentally we get tired and we look at what's happening around us and so many people don't put the same kind of effort in that we're putting in. You know, if we're homeschooling and we're nurturing a home atmosphere and some of us are also making some money on the side, there's a lot of people who are not putting in the same level of intentionality in their mothering. And when I would get discouraged, I would often look to some of my literary heroes. You know, I talk about this in Mothering by the Book and also in Habits for a Sacred Home. People like Elizabeth Elliot or Ruth Bell Graham, people who are really steady in the face of hardship, those became kind of a, almost like a vision for me, because I think for us, you know, we're as people of faith, we can look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, but sometimes it's hard because he wasn't in a home taking care of kids, but you can, you can look at sometimes these literary heroes, you know, or heroes from biographies and say, wow. She went through such a hard time. One of the books that I I include actually in the peaceful or in the Habits for a Sacred Home is called First We Have Coffee. And it's about this Norwegian immigrant woman who was married to an itinerant preacher and a very hard life, really. But she was just so steady with her children and positive. And people like that became kind of a vision for me, you know, that this is the person I want to be. And so I'm going to do what I need to do, whether it's taking my thoughts captive or spending some time with the Lord or just starting to sing a silly song that makes me laugh so that I can change the atmosphere of the home. Are there, is there a vision that you have like people or a written down mission statement? Is there a vision that you have that helps keep you going in hard times like that? Oh, I love that so much. Yes, definitely. And as you were saying that, I think literary um, women are so inspirational. And also I think there's this huge benefit of who are the mothers that we are connecting with as, as mothers and which um, voice are they constantly speaking out that kind of subconsciously affects the way that we view our mothering and life too. And I think that that is really huge of um, having a strong community of women around you that also view motherhood as a gift and a blessing and 
absolutely there will be the hard days and struggles, but ultimately, you know, want to actually encourage each other towards this mission of motherhood. And um, yeah, one of the phrases that I have, it's kind of above my kitchen sink in my area that I've yeah started to just have it be this little special space is um, divine nurturing happening three times per day here. Show up, be present, pour yourself into this deep, valuable, and important work. Be grateful. And I wrote that up just on a scrap of cardboard with permanent marker, and I had it just up on the kitchen sink and, you know, sloshed with soapy water and everything. But it was like every time I just went there, it it was this reminder and inspiration of it truly is this divine nurturing happening. And of course, it's more than three times a day because we're not counting all the snacks in between. But, you know, just to show up, be present, pour yourself into the deep and valuable and important work. I think that that reminder is just, it is so life-giving. It's not this drudgery and this pain in our sides and being a victim to having children. It's just this reminder that it is really, really valuable and important work. It won't last forever. Before we know it, they will all be out of the home and not have all those messes to clean up after. And just the gratitude that I want to infiltrate through my home and have that be that repeating reminder every day. Um, and my one of my friends came over who's a design friend, and she was like, we need to fix this, this permanent marker cardboard situation. So she kind of put it together as a, a print, a kind of a downloadable print that is on my shop too. But anyone could just make something like that, that um, intention that they're reading over and over and over to remind yourself and almost, yeah, recheck you on those hard days too. And like you said, having... Uh, women that you look up to and feel inspired by and having a community of other mothers that also view mothering as deep and valuable work, I think plays a huge part in how we live our life and grow and be strengthened as moms and um, care for our children along the way. Yeah. I'm so inspired by our conversation today, Jana, and I know that families listening are going to be encouraged to approach their work in a more um, inspirational way and just see it as the beautiful undertaking that it is. It's really making it such a difference in the world. I believe that our work as mothers is saving the world, honestly. And I'm going to link your shop in the show notes so people can look for that inspirational divine nurturing um, print or some of the other beautiful prints that you have. And I just thank you so much for, for sharing a word of encouragement to the moms listening today. Absolutely. Jennifer, thank you for having me. I'm so inspired by you and honored to be here. Thanks again. 